1: John Mackay from Creation Research is back on tonight's show. How are you tonight, John?
0: I'm pretty good. Pretty good indeed.
1: That's good. Good to have you back in. And front too. Yeah. <laughs> but I've cracked that joke before. <laughs> you said so. that last time. <laughs> You've got to pick a new one this time. But this time you have bought some show and tell, which you haven't done in a while. Mm-hmm. So you bought some boomerangs.
0: I have By indeed. the looks of it. But yes. one of
1: them is not a normal well,
0: boomerang. Yes, the boomerang, of what course, was picked into English <laughs> when Captain Cook and the other guys explored Sydney in that first, right? So we tend to think of this one here as a boomerang, right? Unknown yeah. to us, you find these in the tombs of people like Tutankhamen. Right, they wow. had boomerangs as well. Although the boomerangs uh, word is actually Australian from the Turrawell tribe near Sydney, mm. but this one here is why I bought these. Into that, uh, it's a bit big to sort of hold over here. <laughs> this one does not come back. Right, you can see it's got a sharp point there.
1: What is the sharp this point is, for?
0: It's actually if I was. Standing in the bush, holding this up and pointing it to you, I'd counsel you to run, duck or hide real quick, right? Because <laughs> this is a killing boomerang. It's very heavy. Amazing. And, and it's designed to actually put an end to your existence.
1: Oh, great. But
0: these were donated to creation research. There's a whole heap of them here. I just got a few out. Yeah, uh, and, and what they it's are is fascinating. As well. <laughs> the Aborigines, uh, sort of west and northwest of Ayers Rock, the Turrawell people, mm. uh, you know, the Ayers Rock Uluru, as it's now called, uh, joint names, yeah. um, donated these to Creation Research for our Creation Museum because it has a section on the history of the races.
1: Yeah, and this
0: one here is a real interesting clue. I've been fascinated. I had one Indian official come to me one day, and he said. What the Aborigines, they very like the people where I come from. <laughs> the right, way he went in his sing-songy English, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And having been to India now, I find it fascinating that A, they have dingoes, B, they have boomerangs. They
1: right? have, they have and boomerangs dingoes and boomerangs in
0: India. And of course, they have a name that's like this one. So this one is a killing stick, and in Walpuri, the language of the people who made these, their name for killing stick is Kali. Killing, death, death. Kali India the goddess of
1: death wow so I'm not surprised
0: that they have that name yeah. so when you look the Bible says Noah's three sons gave rise to all of us you're or a descendant of noah's sons the aborigines the descendant of noah's sons mm-hmm. and their wives of course the boys yep. don't do this by themselves <laughs> uh, and, and so am i and so are the chinese and all of that and so don't be surprised that when we left babel and were scattered we took remnants of the story and each group that divided off we took remnants from there and took it into our next culture wow. so not only did the dingoes come from india the people come from India as well, and their DNA, even the Aboriginal DNA, points back to India. I'm sure if we had the whole big thread, we'd all point back to one place called Babel. We just haven't done enough uh, DNA genome research. You know those hereditary ones yeah. that you can get done for thirty dollars, forty dollars, or whatever it is. ancestry.com Ancestry. That that work well, free commercially, but that's fine. Uh, they do provide fascinating insights as to your own history. Uh, so when you have a look, the evidence of the boomerangs points directly back to Babel.
1: John, let's talk more about evolution because I remember when I, well, you know, biology, I guess, because when I was at school, I studied biology in senior mm-hmm. school, and I remember going through my textbook and as and a I Christian, a yeah, actually
0: did moderately well. I
1: did just humbly. I was quite <laughs> good at biology. I think I was, oh, I think second in the class. I wasn't first. Mm, pretty good. Yeah, if I was in class with you, if you, were the same age, you probably would have been first for sure. But anyway, <laughs> so I remember going through my biology book and looking at some of these things and going. It, that doesn't make sense as a Christian. You kind of mm-hmm. you start to question mm-hmm. lots of things. So one of the things I remember, and I actually saw this on your website, that's what jogged my brain, is about the peppered moths. So mm-hmm. the peppered moths, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they change colour in air quotes um, to suit their environment mm-hmm. over time air quotes mm-hmm. because of their pollution in the air mm-hmm. that made them anyway. When they're sticking on the trees, their prey would eat them because they could see. Them yep. so clearly yeah. with the pollution. Good example so of they change. natural changed. selection,
0: adaptation, all that's the other right. things in the chapter on evolution. So if moths can change colour, fishes can turn into radio commentators. Yes. Uh, that's the whole show. The whole, the Are short... you calling me a fish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, David Attenbury is, you know, oh. an evolved fish. So we have to be honest about what this theory is all about. So I'm not surprised yeah. you, you felt challenged. Uh, and one reason we set up the Ask site on creationresearch.net is to put the answer that we'll give you briefly now in long uh, depth with with more references. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is you find in England they noticed in 1950 that Uh, a famous collection of moths was not quite the same as it was in the real England of the 1950s and 60s. So a man called Kettlewell, right, actually began to study the number of black and white versions of the peppered moth.
1: Mm. Now we'd
0: known they'd been around for a long time because if you go to the 1850s and 1860s, there are collections of these in the Natural History Museum. And you can see the ratio of them. But when he counted them in the trees outside of Manchester, high industrial area, lots of smoke for a years, right, trees dirty, what he noticed was the lighter ones seemed to be fewer in number, mm. and the darker ones had increased in number compared to the original trays in the Natural History Museum. Yeah. So as an evolutionist, he said, ah example of evolutionary change the reason why the dark moths are increasing is in the old days the trees were clean the birds could see the dark moths on the clean trees peck less dark moths right yeah that's now right. in dirty England in dirty trees the birds can see the white moths so peck so it changes the number. Mm. So this was put up as an example of natural selection. Natural selection is used as a keystone to Darwin's evolution. Darwin's evolution, um, fishes give rise to people. That's right. Radio host. Now, secondly, I had to do a debate in Manchester University Museum uh, for public television against the head of their evolutionist society, right? But what was interesting is the reason why the people picked the University Museum as a debate was they had a big display on the peppered moths. Mm. And this is now in the early 2000s, right? And what they'd noticed by the 1990s, hmm, over in America where the trees didn't get dirty... The moths change numbers in the same way. Yeah. So it can't be due to the changing colour of the trees. Therefore, it can't be due to the birds being able to see the white ones easier. Yeah. Because something else is involved here. So therefore, the, the museum display said, we no longer even know if this is even connected to natural selection. In other words, <laughs> it's got no connection to evolution at all. So right. creationresearch.net and learn how to think. God gave us each a brain and he expects us to use it, but one thing that stops us is our textbook sounds so authoritative it mm. teaches us what to think, and what to think stops us thinking.
1: John Mackay from Creation Research is my guest on tonight's show. Another biology question. Now, I have recently uh, discovered more about this particular scientist. His name is... Richard Dawkins. Mm -hmm. So one of these questions popped up on the internet when I searched it. So he believes that giraffes, which are basically one of my favourite animals, I think they're incredibly, like, just the design is hilarious. They have these ridiculously long necks and they're adorable. They have long tongues, which are blue. And they're really, I think they're awesome. But he thinks that they are so badly designed that they can't have been created. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yes, well... You can probably still catch segments of a 40-minute session I had with Richard Dawkins that he recorded for Channel 3, if I remember, or Channel 4 in England. Uh, just Hunt, Mackay and Dawkins or vice versa, depending <laughs> on who you think is most important. Yeah. Um, and he loves the giraffe to slam anyone who believes in creation. And his argument is, look what the nerve does, look at the breathing, and it's so poorly designed. And, of course, we could go into how it, how it works and why the nerve is there and all of that, mm. but I'm going to cut to the quick. Whenever you get someone say, this is poorly designed, ask them a very pragmatic question. Oh, excuse me, Mr Dawkins, how many giraffes have you designed? <laughs> right? And if his answer is none, then remind him that he's not actually well qualified to comment on how to design a giraffe at all. <laughs> and then you can say, hang on, d- do giraffes actually work well? Yes. Well, what's your problem? That's right. So, in other words, he's bluffing you with his authority. And Mm. what most people confuse is the authority of the scientist, because he was a professor at Oxford, right? He must know what he's talking about. Nonsense, right? Because (laughs) you're a professor doesn't mean a thing, except that you've got up to the top of the academic system. Perhaps because you agreed with all the things that were already being taught, not because you know any better. Right? So, therefore... Challenge Mr Dawkins, challenge the others with very simple questions because the Bible says the evidence of God's handiwork is so clear you and I can see it and it must show in a giraffe. So what's he missing? What he's missing is the fact that his eyes are shut. His heart is blind to the truth of God's word and if a giraffe works, it works. That's and they right. Work, right? Yeah, and you they love do. them because they were put there so you can they're say amazing. Wow, God made a giraffe, even with a blue tongue. It's cute.
1: I know, but, a blue tongue, yeah. long necks, so yeah, you know. But the long neck gets the job done.
0: It does, that's exactly. It might right.
1: be slightly impractical for running around with a long neck, crazy <laughs> long neck, but it gets the job done, reaches leaves. Yeah.
0: Yep. It does exactly what it needs to do.
1: <laughs> John Mackay from Creation Research is my guest on tonight's show. Last question for you tonight, John. So this one is also at creationresearch.net. It's about the, well, in air quotes again, gill Mm -hmm. slits that Mm -hmm. babies have. So I remember back when I was at school looking at biology in my textbook, learning about babies and how they're formed in the womb, it looks like they look like little lizards. They've got tails, they've got gill slits, and all things the textbook would tell you that points to evolution. So Mm. what do we do when we see this? How do you... Kind of point that away from okay. evolution and. You well, know.
0: here's our major problem. You and I live in a world where people like to add the word science to anything to give it credibility so Mm. a political scientist is better than a politician (laughs) and an economic scientist or a psychological scientist. Why do they want to be scientists right? Well because we think science deals with evidence, deals with facts, deals with truth right? So anything that's in a science textbook is beyond question so we never do Mm. right? So if you put your hand up and say excuse me miss these are drawings (laughs) where's the photographs? Now that's a very simple question. It's one you can ask in a court of law and it's one that your textbook doesn't see it just gives you the diagrams yeah, right? and then right. makes leaps of faith until you think wow the evidence no they didn't present the evidence they presented drawings so we know there's someone in this planet who knows how to use a black pen right? Well, there's someone <laughs> on the planet who makes black pen do what yeah. black pens don't do by themselves so right. they're creative which is one of the evidence that we made in God's image monkeys can't draw those embryos mm. but then you go one step further and you find the name of this person was Haeckel. Now, it's back in the late 1990s that somebody finally got round to saying, well, let's photograph the embryos. Right? right?" And what you find is when you look at the photographs, they actually don't look like the fishes. They don't look like the lizards. In fact, they all look like their own little cells. <laughs> right? So fish embryos, and they're yeah. all unique, right? And so basically the man who did that research from one of the huge hospital research centres said, Hakel was a liar. Right. Right? Now, that brings us up to one other thing. When people say, how could so many scientists get it so wrong? The answer is simple. The scripture says the heart of man is desperately wicked. And so when you have a scientist who hates God or doesn't want God involved in anything, his sin nature will stop him even searching for the truth. Any one of the scientists involved in that textbook could have said, hang on, these are drawings. The students are entitled to pictures. Why don't we have pictures? But they didn't even ask the question So therefore beware of false science Paul says it leads you astray Concerning the faith and it's led so many People to say well I couldn't believe in the Bible Now therefore I can't believe in Christ So I'm chucking Christianity in Mm. and in Hell they'll regret that for eternity Because they've abandoned the way, the truth And the life so that's why this issue is so Important so go to creationresearch.net Have a look at the Q&A button And see all this for yourself.
1: Very true Thank you for hanging out again tonight Jonathan Great to have you in and we'll have you back again very